blessed and revived by the KAYT Gospel Hour. Tune in each Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and join us as we venture back in the past for a time of revival with oldies and goodies in sermon and song. is K-A-Y-T, Gina, Alexandria. This is Gospel Radio at its very best. 88.1. K-A-Y-T, praising the Lord. Come on, church, make the noise in this place. Greeting, this is Reverend Lionel Smith, pastor of New Scholar Baptist Church. We are a church that is working towards acquiring the mind of Christ. Sit back and listen to the message already in progress. All of my life. And all of my days, I'll give you the praise, yes, oh yeah, because you've been 
so good to me and I adore thee you taught me how to love the midst of a storm, I'll be strong, 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 and your spirit shall
take me to the key. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn to pieces. It's my offering. Take me to the king. Truth is, I'm tired. Options are few. I'm trying to parade, but where are you? I'm all churched out, hurt and abused. I can't fake what's left to I'm weak, no strength to fight, no tears to cry, even if I try, but still my soul refuses to
have much to bring. My heart is torn to pieces. It's my offering. Just leave me there alone to gaze upon your glory, sing to you this song, take me to the key. sing like they used to sing, like the old folk who knew something about the Lord. I've already come. Here it is once more and again. Few of your own handmade servants. We come before you as humble children would come before their good and just parents. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for last night's rest. Our early rising this morning. You bless us with a portion of health and strength. Clothed us in our right minds and started us on our way. We thank you, great master, for this church. For this pastor, for each and every member, bless them one by one. Bless them as a whole. We thank you for this association. Thank you for our presiding bishop. Thank you for our West End bishop, all of the other bishops, officers, and members of this great association. Thank you for this leadership conference. Bless us that we might learn something these next few days about how to lead the ups and downs, the pitfalls of leadership, that we might go back to our various places and grow and teach and show others how to lead and grow as they will pass along this way. Now, great master, we've enjoyed the program thus far. 
Now we want to hear a word from heaven. I pray, great master, that you would allow me to decrease, that you may increase. Give me the power to hide behind yonder's cross. Allow your people to see more of you and less of me. And we pray that when life journey has ended, and we no longer study war anymore, when time that has been won't be no more, we want to hear you say, well done, servant, for you have been faithful over a few things. Now come on up a little higher, and I'll make you rule. We pray and we thank you for. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Let us all respond by saying, Amen. Exodus chapter 18. I want to begin at verse 17 and let me read to verse 22 or 23 rather for the conservation of time. Exodus chapter 18. I want to begin at verse 17 down to verse 23. pray that you'll find inspiration tonight, <clears throat> as I have. I'm reading from the King James Version, and here's how my Bible reads. And Moses' his father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou would surely wear away both thou and this people, that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will, I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people uh, to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances. Uh, and laws, and shall show them the thing, the way uh, wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure. And all this people shall also go to their place in peace. We ask the Lord to add a blessing upon the readers, the hearers, and doers of his most precious and holy word. I want to talk about leadership overload. Leadership overload. Thank you kindly. Dave Stone, in his book, thank you, ushers. Dave Stone, in his book, entitled Keeping Your Head Above Water, 
provides the following insight into leadership overload. He says, it is possible to spread yourself so thin that within the church you are mediocre in four or five areas instead of excellent in one or two. Talk back to me if you can. This is a common plight for the Christian leader. We are called to accomplish a task that is uh, never done. We are in a constant danger of allowing ourselves to become overloaded if we are not careful. The two greatest pitfalls of leadership are the failure to delegate and the failure to prioritize. These pitfalls can cause us to become so distracted that we will not be able to keep focus on our main task. If we allow ourselves to fall into these pitfalls, we will find ourselves quickly becoming overloaded, frustrated, and discouraged. However, this problem is not a new one because in our text we discover that it was something that Moses struggled with himself. Moses found himself beginning to bend under the weight of all of the demands of leading God's people. In fact, he was going from sun up to sundown seven days a week. This grueling pace was destroying him, but God provides a solution to his problem. And I want you to know that God will also provide solutions to our problems that are overloading us in leadership positions. One pastor said to me, he said, it's amazing how all of the people that we lead believe that we are a human garbage can, that they can come and unload all of that garbage on us and still expect us to hold up and be strong. But I want you to know today that this solution to the problem is that we must understand that we cannot do it by ourselves. Far too long, the older pastor in the older days, he preached on Sunday, left the church and went, gave communion, visited all the sick. He'd go out and witness on Sunday. And when he got home on Sunday evening, he couldn't touch his wife, he couldn't look at her, he couldn't kiss her, he couldn't do anything. All he could do was go to sleep, and when the years had passed by, he was worth nothing, he could do nothing. All he could do was sit in his chair and recline because he had exhausted himself believing that he was the only one that could accomplish it. But see, I want you to know something, that the leader is not the only one that knows something. God put other people in the camp that's got knowledge and wisdom these days. You know, we're not the only ones that know it all. There are some of us that are under us that can tell us something. A child can tell you something. I remember one day my father-in-law, who was blind, had to put drops in his eyes every night, kept losing the top to the little eye drop bottle. My little son came in, and he said, can you find the top for me? My son found the top, gave it back to him, said, Papa, you know what? When you take the top off, you ought to stick it in the box that it came out of. 
talk back to me if you can. That way you can keep up with it. If you got the box, you got the top. So we can learn something from everybody. So let, let's look at what's going on. Moses gets an unexpected visit from his father-in-law, his wife, and his two sons. They show up to where Moses is. Everything begins to come full circle as the Hebrew people arrive around Sinai. This was a sign that the Lord had promised to Moses in the very beginning. See, sometimes shortly after the circumcision uh, fiasco happens in Exodus 4, Moses had sent Zipporah and his two sons back home to live with, with her father. Now, the reports of all that God had done for the people of Israel had reached Jethro, and this sets the stage for him to bring the family and have a reunion with Moses. Moses seems to be pleased by the news that his father-in-law and his wife and his children are on their way to see him. Moses and Jethro, when they get there, begin to rejoice over the greatness and the goodness of God. Moses sits down with Jethro and, and he begins to tell the story of everything that God had done for the Hebrew people up to this point. Jethro got so excited over everything that God had done for his people that he literally burst out in praise of Yahweh in verses 9 through 11. Now, if we look at that casually, it doesn't mean much to us, but it almost seems as though Jethro is ready to give up serving his idol gods because now he recognizes that this God that Moses serves is no ordinary God. Because Moses began to explain to Jethro what God had done for the people. How he brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand. Talk back to me if you can. We go sing in a minute. We go sing, but there's something for you today. Moses has had an experience with the Lord. And anytime you've had a personal experience with the Lord, when you share the Lord with somebody, you don't make God out to be some kind of welfare God. You let them know my God is an awesome. He's an awesome God. Jethro and Moses, they visit and somehow in my spiritual mind, Moses probably says to Jethro, look man, I talked to you long enough. I wish I could stay here and fellowship with you, but the people are waiting on me. The people need to address their problems with me. So Moses heads back out to the same old tiring ritual that he does day in and day out. From sunup to sundown. Seven days a week. And as he begins this routine, Jethro sits back and observes to see what Moses is actually doing. Oh, Moses spends an exhausted amount of time trying to deal with the people's problem. So here where we pick up in verse 17, Jethro looks at him. And immediately he made two observations. 
He says, the people are going to wear themselves out. And Moses, you are not capable of shouldering such a gigantic task. Now I know all of us as leaders and preachers and what have you in leadership position, we want to be the big who I am. The big H-N-I-C. The one who you bring all your problems to. I want to hear all your problems. I want you to bring all of them because I can solve all of them. But we're leaders. We're pastors. We're not saviors. We can't fix everybody's problem. You see, I don't know about anybody else in this room. But I don't want nobody calling me every night. Waking me up out of my sleep. Talk back to me if you can. I don't want to visit everybody in the hospital. I don't want to really visit everybody on their sick bed. That's what we have other people. Jethro says, Jethro says, what, what, what is the logic, Moses? What, what, what is this that you're doing? And, and why are you doing it this way? Jethro gives him wise counsel. He said, continue to represent God, the people before God. Those able and capable men. Use them. They're not just there. God put them there so that they could help you to bear the load. That's like me having a 15-year-old son and I'm still cutting the grass. That's what he's there for. Cut the grass. You want to use the car? You want money in your pocket? Look at the able man, the men. He said, get them. But before you turn them loose, teach them. I lost somebody right there. You see, we pull them in and turn them loose all in the same day. They don't know nothing about the Lord. Can't find Genesis. Never heard of John 3, 16. They don't know nothing about salvation, redemption. They never heard of Calvary. You say they took Jesus down to Via Della Rosa. They look at you. He'll call God Gotham. They don't know what you're talking about. Stop and teach them the ordinances of the Lord. For us, teach them the word of the Lord. After you teach them, Moses, turn it over to them. Now, I want you to understand something here. And maybe you missed it, but I'm going to bring it to you. He says in verse 21, after you get these able men who fear God, they fear God. They understand who he is. They know that he's an all-powerful God. They know what he's done. They have a fear and a reverence for the Lord. Men of truth who hate covetousness, place such over them. He says, look, to be rulers of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Now, now, why does he say that? Be, 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 because all of us can't handle thousands. 
All of us can't handle hundreds. All of us can't handle ten. Some of us just can handle one person. But if I can take and tutor and mentor that one person, as long as I'm in my lane, I'm going to get the same pay to one that got a thousand. All of us are not on the same level. All of us not in the same bag, in the same group. Some of us at different stages and different levels. But I want you to know, too much is given. Moses, you're going to kill yourself. It's not what God expects. That's not what God wants. That's not what the ministry is all about. There's no reason for a leader to be exhausted and downtrodden and depressed and frustrated because the load is too heavy. There are too many able people in the congregations where we are that can help to bear the load. But some of us, let me just talk to about us for just a second. Some of us as preachers and pastors and leaders, we don't want too many people to get in the inner circle because we don't want nobody to know more than what we know. And then one of them might just show us up and find out that we really don't know as much Here it is. Here it is. First, effective leadership often requires a change in methodology. It, it, it requires a change in our methods and how we conduct ourselves. If, if you were just a leader over ten folk, then when you get a thousand, your methodology has to change. You can't lead a thousand folk like you lead ten folk. There was a pastor in Chicago. He never would go visit the sick. He didn't counsel. He didn't do weddings or anything. One of his members approached him and said, How is it that you're the pastor? But you never go visit anybody. You never marry. You never counsel. He said, man, I pastor 27,000 people. He said, I ain't crazy enough to try to do it. He said, but God has given me discernment to appoint able people who could handle these various arenas of the church. So it is with us. We got to know when. We got to know when. As growth happens, the demand on leadership changes, which requires us to make adjustments in order to continue to be effective. If we're going to be effective, we've got to have some help. You see, I can't be everywhere at the same time. Neither can you. So we have to have people, a dream team, if you will, that can be where we need them to be to help us as leaders to be strong. Some, 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 some pastors, these big mega churches, we are exalting them. But we don't know it's people that we don't even see. Who's functioning. 
he's just the face that they put there as the leader. I'll be through in just a minute here. Jethro taught Moses the importance of delegating and helped him to realize that there are times that you just have to say no. You, you, you can't try to be everywhere and do everything. And I know some people who are not leaders may not understand what that means, but sometimes you just got to know when to sit down. Sometimes you have to know when to halt the program. You see, leadership is not about keeping everybody happy and harmonious. It is about leading people to a higher level where they can all be what God wants them to be. So therefore, sometimes we just have to spread it out. Let other folks share in what we're doing. Because, Pastor, if you do not share the load, you do not spread the load. You will find yourself down in some nursing home, in some hospital, tubes running down your throat, and the very ones that you ran and struggled and killed yourself, to get to and for won't even stop by and whisper a prayer over you. So you must learn how to avoid leadership overload. I want you to know that the work will get done without you. Leader, don't be so ignorant to believe that the church cannot go on without you. There are a whole lot of Christians that have passed and gone, but the church is still here. Don't be fooled into believing that you're the only one that can hold the program because I stopped by to tell you, when they bury you six feet under, See, I came here tonight with the realization that God is already preparing someone to take my place. Can I get a witness here? It is my responsibility to try to train God's people so that they can carry on. Can I get a witness here? I want to share a story with you, and I'll get out of the way, but do I have any help in the house tonight? Ain't God all right? It is said one day that there were four people, one name everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job that needed to be done. And everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Yes, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody would do it. But nobody realized 
that everybody wouldn't do it. But it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. Can I get a witness here? But oh, I'm so glad tonight that God made a program. He's got able men that can do the work of the Lord. Is there anybody here that know God is all right? God wants you on the program. God wants you in the program. If you are a leader tonight, uh, there's somebody in the camp uh, that God wants to use uh, in the program. So don't act like you're a superman, that you know it all, that you can do it all. Because one day, you're going to leave this place and somebody else is going to pick up the reins and keep running. Ain't God all right? If you know God is all right, let me hear you say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Ah. No, he's all right. I know God is all right. Do you know he's all right? Has he been good to you? Has he brought you from a mighty long way through seen and unseen danger? Did he wake you up this morning? Started you on your way? Gave you the activities of your limbs? Put money in your pocket? Running in your feet? Put you on that job? Got income coming in? A roof over your Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Let me hear you say yes. Say yes. Ah! No, he's all right.
ever known you've done wrong you sit in your bed and you cried all night long you tossed and turned from life ups and downs when you look for your friends and they couldn't be found you
that old rugged hill can do better than that. Come on, give God some praise. Come on, all over this building, why don't you give him some glory? Come on, King of kings and Lord of lords tonight. Come on, anybody know that he's worthy in this building? Come on, why don't you get on your feet and exalt the Lord tonight? Come on, if he means anything in your life, you ought to put your hands together and shout hallelujah. Come on, is he a good God? Why don't you give your, why don't you give your neighbor a high five and tell him